Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California. It's Kenny. If you're not watching Shohei Otani, the man is just doing special things on the baseball field. Like I said, almost looking non-human at times. It's Nika. Is Aaron Judge, number 99, going to be able to drag the Yankees to the playoffs? This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Right, and good morning once again, everybody, and welcome back to the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined once again, as always, by my lovely co-host, my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, Kenny. I'm getting used to this. Yeah? Welcome to September Crazy Baseball Times. Oh, well, I only have one thing to say to get started. Uh, this was a probably one of the worst baseball weekends in a while for the teams that we've been following. Uh, as of late, the Cubs and the Mariners both losing three out of four games this weekend. Both had Thursday through Sunday matchups. The Cubs, of course, were hosting the Diamondbacks. The Mariners were putting a, I guess, a bow on this 10-game road trip that we we said from the beginning was looking really tough on paper and it, it lived up to its toughness for for them at least and and one of their pitchers George Kirby we'll have to get into what happened with him later when it comes to you talk about toughness and maybe lacking a little bit of toughness we got a lot of pitching stuff to get into actually like the George Kirby thing sparked me a little bit there was an article that I read about Blake Schnell that we're going to get into and, and I, I feel like a lot of this is tied together a little bit it's because we're coming to a Cy Young Awards. It's yeah. Everybody's talking about pitching and There's... matchups, all that stuff that comes with it. it. It is almost to that like season reflection point mm-hmm. where we're, we're starting to see some clear front runners or seeing teams separate from the pack as we're going to find out. So yeah, things are starting to come into focus a little bit as we head down the stretch. And well, let's just get into it. The Cubs dropped three of four to the Diamondbacks at home. Not a good series for them at all. Meanwhile, the Brewers won two out of three against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Wanted to highlight yesterday's game though really quick because in case you missed it, Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole had a good old-fashioned pitcher's duel. Corbin Burns leaves after eight innings of no-hit ball. The Brewers relievers come in and extend the no-hitter all the way through into the 11th inning at some point where it's finally broken up because no one in this game had scored. Then all the runs started getting scored in extra innings. The Yankees wind up winning this crazy game 4-3 to three after getting no-hit for like the first 10 innings plus. I think it dipped into the 11th just a bit. But crazy game, I and it was really important because the Cubs actually bounced back. They they won the finale at home yesterday and the Brewers lost. So here we are after all this bad baseball that the, the Cubs had swept the Giants coming into this series. So they still wind up going four and three over this seven game stretch. But it was brutal because they lost three in a row in the middle of it instead of like maybe scattered. And that's why it felt maybe worse than it was. But it was a bad weekend all it was. for the baseball, for us. For, for us. us. You know, if you're an Arizona fan or maybe a uh, Blue Jays fan, it was oh, a little better for you. for them. Okay, well, so this leaves the Cubs now 
kind of uh, right back where they started. They're three games back in the Central, and with definitely within striking distance of the Brewers, especially because the last three games of the year are in Milwaukee. And the rest of the wild card, Arizona, kind of caught up to us a little bit. They were within striking distance of tying the Cubs yesterday, but with that Cubs win, they they moved to two games ahead of Arizona. And Philadelphia... They had a little bit of a rough weekend with the Marlins, so not not all bad news for the Cubs. They remain two games back of Philadelphia, who is four games ahead in the wild card total. Again, that top wild card spot is super important because whoever wins that gets a home series in the first round. That's important. It's really important in the playoffs. Okay, so Philly four games ahead in the wild card, Cubs two games back of them, and then Arizona two games back of the Cubs. Those are the three wildcard teams today. And then the Marlins are a half game back. San Francisco and Cincinnati are one and a half games back. So they are still alive, very much so, but they got to definitely have some luck fall their way. And, you know, we'll see. Certainly not over by a long shot for San Francisco or Cincinnati. And it's wild. It's going to be a wild couple weeks. It's going to be a crazy end of September because those teams are neck and neck. Yes. Separated by game. One game, two games. That's not a lot. Not at all. Knowing um, how it's been musical chairs throughout the past few weeks. I so think it's going to keep moving. You know, like the, the biggest thing is I think the Cubs hold their destiny in their own fate a little bit because they are heading to Colorado tonight. They play three games against Colorado, and then they have a day off on Thursday, and then they will be playing a three-game set against Arizona at Arizona. So we have a little bit of a revenge series. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! We got to beat those snakes. I hate snakes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm turning into Indiana Jones. All right. So, yeah, we got to definitely uh, take care of business against the Rockies, and then let's get some revenge against the Diamondbacks this weekend. I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! And they played the Rockies later at the end of the month. Again. At Wrigley, yeah. At Wrigley, yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't looking too far ahead, but I believe the following week we get Colorado and Pittsburgh at home and then Atlanta and Milwaukee on the road. So yeah. that Atlanta series and, and that Milwaukee series, hopefully, hopefully, is a nice tune-up to the playoffs, you know? Like, it's going to have some atmosphere, probably. It's going to have some tough playing conditions. You know, Atlanta's going to be rocking. Milwaukee's going to be rocking. You know, the only thing that's going for us is Atlanta's kind of probably going to have everything locked up at, at that point. Yeah, they might bring some younger players just to give us some playtime. Well, speaking of younger players, we got a little bit of breaking news this morning on the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? This bullet just handed to me. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Apparently, the rumor on the street is that Pete Crow Armstrong, the number 12, I believe, MLB prospect right now overall, but certainly the Cubs' number one prospect, He's getting the call up. He's coming to the he's coming to the show. What's his position? Outfield? He's an outfielder, center fielder right now. Very, very good defensive center fielder. Would that make Bellinger play first? I mean, I don't know if he's gonna be so much as a everyday player or a like he might be a defensive substitution late in games. He might be a pinch hitter. Who knows? I think it's good. Okay. Because let me tell you why. It's good to push your existing players on your roster. Like 
the Mike Talkmans of the world, not not necessarily Ian Happ so much, and Suzuki, you know, they've been pretty solid, especially Suzuki lately. But I think it's good to like include a young player in a playoff culture, if you will, especially a young player that you foresee being a part of your team in the future. And the Cubs certainly want Pete Crow Armstrong on their team in the future. For those that don't know, he came over in the Javi Baez trade from the Mets. You know, he was a Mets prospect. And uh, like I said, he's the number 12 right now overall prospect in all of baseball and certainly the Cubs' top prospect. So I'm just excited that we're going to get to see him, you know. And the Diamondbacks did this last year with Corbin Carroll. They they credit that a lot to his success a little mm-hmm. bit. So it, it's And you're going to see other teams probably having some call-ups. But I, I like I said, I like it for the competition of it. I, I think it's a good move for the team. I, I'm not singling out Mike Talkman, and I don't know what his numbers are lately. I think he's been a really solid player for the Cubs most of this year. I mean, actually, look what happened when they brought Morel. Yeah, bit. of course. You never know how someone's going to fit in, I guess, to the existing mm-hmm. mold. But I, I'm excited to see him play, and I, I think it, it's good. You know, like if he's good enough, then he should be there. Absolutely. If he can help out. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, if anyone can help, bring him up. Bring yeah. him in. Well, postseason's going to get really tough and yeah. intense. Absolutely. Um, this week's going to get tough and intense. Uh, we got some matchups. The Braves are playing four games with the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, this will have no consequence on the division, but the Braves don't have home field or anything locked up yet. So they got to keep trying right now. I'm not saying that they're not going to, at the end of the day, have that locked up, but they need to... Uh, you know, I'm sure they want to beat the Phillies. And this, these games are in Philadelphia, by the way. So something to look at. They have a doubleheader today, a makeup game from June 21st. So uh, we will be watching. Mar- the Marlins have a four-game set with the Brewers at Milwaukee. The Marlins, as we said, are just a half game back right now. I, I don't know who is better to win these games for the Cubs. You have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Marlins. So you could argue that if the Brewers just beat up on the Marlins it it knocks away one of the Cubs competition for the postseason okay but if the Marlins won three out of four and you beat the Rockies all of a sudden you're like right there again with the Brewers for the division yeah so what's better I I guess you just got to go for even Stevens you know I think it's best off for the Cubs if the Brewers and Marlins split if they go two and two against each other in these four games yeah, that would be the best for the Cubs, but only if they win their three games against the Rockies, because then you're gaining ground on both areas. Okay, but it's probably not going to break that way. So this is what I mean: the Cubs control their own fate. You got to win the games that you need to win right now, and they need to win these games in Colorado. They got to embrace the Rocky Mountain air and just hit some hit some bombs. which is, uh, by the way, at Coors Field in Colorado. Well, we need to turn our attentions to the American League and uh, the Seattle Mariners. Release the Kraken! The Mariners are slacking a little bit here. We mentioned that they lost three out of four to Tampa Bay. They had a three and seven road trip. This was a tough 10-game road trip that saw them go to the New York Mets, the Cincinnati Reds, and then the Tampa Bay. So the good news for the Mariners right now is that they're heading home and they're playing the Los Angeles Angels tonight. That might be a good thing for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, they they need their fans a little bit. I feel like they need a a warm welcoming from the Seattle faithful. I'm sure they're going to get. The Mariners are now, unfortunately, after all of this, 
they have fallen to the final wild card spot, which they are clinging to by just a half a game over the Rangers. Now, the Blue Jays have meanwhile leapt back into the picture and leapt over both the Rangers and the Mariners to take yeah. over the second spot, which they hold by a game. So right now, Toronto is a game ahead of the Mariners. And Texas. Texas is a half a game behind. So they're a half a game ahead of Texas in both the division race and the wildcard race, obviously, because they're both the same. But Texas is on the outside looking in of the wildcard picture. So if you look at the wildcard right now, it lines up Tampa Bay, which because they just destroyed the Mariners three out of four, now have an eight and a half game edge in the wild card. I think they got that top spot locked up. I think whoever is going to be playing in the first round against Tampa Bay will be playing those games to start with in St. Pete's in, in South Florida. So there's no way Toronto can catch him, basically. I mean, it's mathematically possible, but like, I just don't see it. Yeah. You know, with the amount of games remaining, that's a lot of ground to make up. Like seven and a half games over. That's, that's a lot. A lot. So Toronto isn't second. They have a game advantage in the wild card. And then Seattle is the final wild card spot. And Texas is just a half a game behind them. So Toronto, Seattle, and Texas are all separated by just one and a half games. That is crazy. And to make things even crazier, Texas is visiting Toronto for four games. I think we're going to know a lot more That's a after matchup. these four games. That's a matchup that's worth watching. Huge implications. And Texas, when leading the charts throughout the season, now finds itself below. I know. It's so weird to see, like you said this morning, it's so hard to see Texas on the outside looking in. But they have been awful of late. I don't think anyone can deny that. And they really, really need to find themselves and turn it around quickly if they want to salvage this season. Yeah, didn't Scherzer had a bad game? I think they've all had bad games here. I know, but remember the matchup Verlander and Scherzer last week? Well, they both got knocked around a little bit. The Astros, though, knocked around a little bit more. Well, I think it was wrong maybe to put all your eggs in those baskets to begin with. But again, they were the shiny pieces that were being offered at the trade deadline. And I mean, Texas gave up a lot for Scherzer. They gave up Ronald Acuna Jr.'s little brother, you know, who by all accounts is like a little mini Acuna. All right. Well, I think we did a good job of summing that up, but we should mention that the AL West is also still up for grabs. Uh, but Houston has sort of all of a sudden taken a, a little bit of a, an edge in here. They have a two and a half game lead over the Mariners and a three game lead over the Rangers, obviously. So that's how they line up in the AL West. One, two, three, Astros, Mariners, Rangers. And they are separated by just three games total. So we're seeing some fun races come down to the stretch here. And, you know, both of them involve the Rangers and the and the Mariners, which is kind of nuts. And then in the NL, things are pretty tight when you look at Cubs, Diamondbacks, Marlins, and Reds, and Giants. You still have five teams kind of vying for two spots there. And... Philadelphia has to be careful. Atlanta can make things really miserable for them right now. So oh, definitely. I will be watching all those games. Definitely not phoning it in yet. All right. Just to recap, though, big week for the Mariners here. They got to take care of business right now against the Angels because either way, they're going to be able to gain ground on Toronto or Texas because there's four games. They they can split. But if even if they do, that be we're talking like similar position as the Cubs here. Like, take care of your own business, please. Let's just go out there and play fundamental baseball, you know. Julio! 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 Rodriguez! 
Julio is staying hot. That's good to see. He, he hit a couple home runs even in those Mariners losses. So yeah, let's keep it hot and let's keep it going. Come on, guys. Step up. Step up. Release the Kraken. All right. A little bit of other breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? This bullet just handed to me. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Yesterday morning in the baseball world was the word that the Angels are possibly looking to move Mike Trout in the offseason. By the way, just as a reminder, the Kanika Baseball Podcast is the only podcast where we talk about Cubs, Mariners, Padres, and Angels. Well, we talk about the team Otani plays for, which is the Angels right now. And because it's the Angels, we have to talk about this Mike Trout story because I'm, I'm fascinated by it in a way. You know, Mike Trout was one of the guys I thought was one of the maybe the last career lifers. You know what I mean? Like, he came up with the Angels. He has all his minor league cards with the Angels. And I think a lot of people rightfully assumed that the Angels were eventually going to put a contender out there with him, and and he would retire an Angel. Unfortunately, that has not happened. He Um, does have a club option in his contract, so he has to agree to the trade. Well, hold on a sec. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't even said what the the news is. (laughs) So, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but there was some whispers that, like, hey, maybe Mike Trout wants to meet with management when the season's over to find out what the direction of the team is. So as of yesterday, USA Today reporter Bob Nightingale sort of broke this news yesterday morning uh, with quotes. I I, I don't know if these are his quotes or if they're like quotes from inside the uh, Angels organization. I'm just going to read what Nightingale wrote. The Los Angeles Angels, perhaps for the first time, are open to trading all-star outfielder Mike Trout if he indicates to them that he wants out. Trout has exclusive no-trade rights and said recently that he wants to have a private conversation with the front office and ownership about their direction. Now, we already know Otani is most likely... Oh, not most likely. He's he's probably not going to pitch next year at all. He's going to have a surgery, then most likely the recovery time, it is up to 18 months. This is his second Tommy John, so it might take it longer. Yeah, so you might be looking at, like, no pitching until fall or, or summer of 2025 at this point which That's is like where DeGrom is like supposed to land like he's supposed to maybe be ready for 2025 right uh-huh. so where does this leave the angels I mean he wants to try and continue hitting during all of this right well in this season yeah, but I don't know where that lands next year if he has Tommy John. But the bigger story, I think, is will the Angels, instead of hanging on to Mike Trout, will they let Mike Trout go and keep Otani now? You know, I think that is more likely after hearing all of this. Is, yeah. and, and I think it makes more sense that you build your future. If Otani's then out, you know, but you know he's coming back, then you, you build up to that moment, you know, and you try to, like, right the wrongs that have happened since then, you know, maybe you can get rid of this Rendon money or, or burn through more of it, I guess, so that it's like no longer a factor on the maybe maybe you just release him and pay him off. I don't know. But don't know. you gotta redo your whole team and, and I think it makes sense to get rid of Mike Trout and give him an opportunity to maybe play with a contender in his final years. Cause he's not a young ch- chick. No. You know, he's not old, old. No, Mike Trout is thirty two. Yeah, he's not Miguel Cabrera. No, he's not. So he's got some years left in his tank. He was signed to the Angels for 12 years. That was a huge contract that he got. Yeah, and how much is left on it? When did he ink that deal? I'm in the wrong browser, sorry. Wow. I know. Well, while she looks for that, I feel like there is going to be some interest uh, from other teams in adding a player like Mike Trout just for the 
same reasons that you would want to add Shohei Otani. Like you add value to your franchise. There are so many Mike Trout card collectors. You're going to tell me like his first card on a new team, everyone wouldn't want it. The gold edition, whatever, whatever parallels you can autograph. It would just be a huge collectible in that regard for your team, for your brand, you know, a, a Mike Trout Marlins jersey or a Rockies jersey, whatever. But I do feel like it. if Mike Trout is going to go to any other team, it will be the Boston Red Sox. He's from New Jersey. I think it would make sense Boston is kind of like searching for, I think, this identity a little bit. I mean, they have Raphael Devers, but you can see that they're not there. They're they're short, you know, and they could maybe stand to have a little bit more veteran leadership. Kiki was playing center field from what I remember, and so it looks like there's probably a vacancy. But I, if I'm Mike Trout, I think that's probably where you go, and then you can go hit bombs against the Yankees, and that's I mean, probably it does fun. That makes sense. He signed his contract in 2019. Okay. Well, 12 years. So he is Angels till 2030. No, 2031. Well, here's from 2019 to 2030. Oh, okay. I guess because I didn't count 2020 as one of the 10. So 2019 and 2020 are one and two. And then one through zero is the other 10. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. 12 years through 2030. So you would basically get him for 24, 25, 26 27, 28, 29. So six seasons is remaining. So you would have Mike Trout through his 38-year-old season. That's not bad. No, I think that's... Age at that time, he doesn't have to play center field anymore. There will be some teams interested in Mr. Trout. And like I said, Boston is a good spot for him to go, go home. I'm sure the Red Sox would love it. Just the history of their franchise and stuff. And, And the fact that they are on kind of the outside of the playoff picture right now, along with the Yankees, by the way, which is very strange times for the AL East. Well, Justin Turner, that's on the Red Sox right now. He's 38. Yeah. He only has a two-year contract with the Red Sox. That's not that far off. No, it, it's not. Team. And they they also played like half the year without Trevor Story because of mm-hmm. injury and other things like that. So, you know, who knows? It's, it's, I don't want to get too far it's ahead of ourselves, but it, yeah. there is speculation that Boston would be a place because of the hometown connection, but it's all going to be about where is the best opportunity to win and and where's the best opportunity to finish out his career. So there's going to be a lot of factors. All right. uh, I want to turn it over to some pitching stuff that we encountered over the weekend. And I want to start with Friday night. And I want to start in Tampa Bay where we had George Kirby on the mound giving up a home run in the seventh inning. I'm, I'm trying to remember who hit this. It's not important, but he gave up a game tying home run in the seventh inning and he had some thoughts about it afterwards. Uh, let's listen to those thoughts right now. I didn't execute. He had a good pitch. Um, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. So I was at 90 pitches and I didn't, I didn't think I needed go anymore but you know, it is what it is so is that a conversation in the dugout or is it it'll be a conversation soon yeah. wow and nika just said it wow i i i feel like there's something bigger going on in the game of baseball right now that maybe we have we gone too far to the other side hold that thought george kirby came back the next morning and really walked back what he said let's take a listen yeah i just wanted to address what happened yesterday um obviously i screwed up and you know that's not you know that's not me and you know skip's always got to pry that ball out of my hands and um just super uncharacteristic of 
of me as a player and you know who I am out in the mound and you know I love competing and um, you know like I said I just screwed up and you know I'm really looking forward to next week and you know just going going forward and you know enjoying the time with the team and you know getting the playoffs and getting our work done. Okay, so as you can hear, he's done a complete 180 about his comments from the night before. Okay. Now, I think it's important to just note, he obviously said those things in the heat of the moment. I was just going to say that he was emotional, and this is the emotional reaction. But sometimes that's where the truth lies. Right. Uh, First instincts how yeah. you feel at the moment. Right, and I feel like that's how he sort of sees himself. Mm-hmm. Is like, hey, I went six. I did my job. That's it. I don't do overtime. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I think this is like stemming from a new generation of pitchers that are not going as deep into games as the previous generation. And again, it was like, I think all everything's been well-intentioned. You know, like the statistics show that starting pitchers are worse the third time that they go through the order. So because of that, a lot of analysts and stati- statisticians and all the baseball brains basically started making and putting more of a higher priority on relief pitchers and going to the bullpen earlier to find favorable matchups. And what that's done is it's kind of weakened, uh, I guess, the the starting pitchers and how, how far they can go deep into games and stuff. Okay. And, and I think it's just changed their mindset and their mentality. I want to also talk about another pitcher that we talk about frequently on this podcast who also pitched Friday night, and that is Blake Schnell. Blake Schnell is considered a front runner here right now for the NL Cy Young. I mean, he's in contention. I don't know if he's the front runner right now. I feel like it might be Justin Steele, but this is maybe a conversation for Wednesday or Perhaps Friday, I don't know yet, when we have more time. But the big thing I want to get to with Blake Schnell is his stat line. On Friday night's game, he had another six-inning performance of 103 pitches. He gave up five hits, two runs at Houston, by the way. Tough place to pitch and play, of course. And so I want to give our tip of the cat here to Blake. Eight strikeouts and three walks, So, which is low for Schnell. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I don't know what his average walks are per game, uh, but I can do some math and have this all prepared maybe like for another future show. But I just thought it was important to get to that. And and again, you see six innings, 103 pitches. It's like, where is the expectation here? And I, I wanted to uh, also get into this article I found Friday that I just read and kind of had to like read and discuss. And I don't hate Blake Schnell. I like left-handed pitchers. You know, I'm, I'm a lefty myself, and I I want to see Blake Schnell do well. The problem is I find myself in disagreement with his philosophy of pitching, very much so that I'm adamant about, like, that his approach is all wrong, in my opinion. And I say that with love and respect, okay? Like, because he has all the tools. But he is sort of like, basically, the if I can summarize this article, and I'm going to read some of the quotes before I get into it, but this was a, a breakdown of why and when he's found success this year. And he basically said, like, he embraced who he is. Okay, that sounds great on the surface, right? We all should embrace who we are. Sure. But the problem is, for me, is that, like, when you read into this, he's embracing being a guy who walks a lot of hitters. Like, now, I'm no rocket scientist, but, like, I don't think in the game of baseball you shouldn't be embracing walking a lot of hitters, period. If that's a part of, like, who you are, 
then I, I'm sorry, I disagree with, with who you're trying to be, I guess, and that you should maybe try and be someone else. So basically, he doesn't see anything that needs to be improved. This is who I am, and this is how I'm going to approach every single game. Take it or leave it. Well, again, this goes back to like this idea that like now a quality start from a starter is six innings pitched and giving up three runs or less. That's considered a quality start in the major leagues. And I think now starters look at themselves like, well, if I go six innings and give up three runs or less, then I did my job tonight. I want to read some of these quotes. Like I said, it's so hard. to. This is Blake Chanel's quote okay. in the article, by the way. It's so hard to go seven, eight, nine, because I have an inning of 25 or 26 pitches. It's going to happen. I don't care about that. What is seven compared to six? As long as I outlast their starter, that's all I care about. Wow. So. <laughs> I, what a team player he is. Um. yeah. Like, Jeez. let's not let's not ever consider saving the bullpen. It's not like we have other guys like Dick Mountain. I mean, Rich Hill on the team who might not be able to go deep into games or anymore the because they're 43 years old. Right. Or the other Hill that doesn't perform as oh, well. Oh, God. Don't even get me started. I, if he never pitches for the Padres again, I won't be sad. Same with Luis Garcia. You know, when you bring up the bullpen, saving the bullpen, I remember Otani pitching the full game and coming out saying, like, I wanted to save the bullpen. Yeah. That's why I stayed in the game. Well, that is a huge difference. This is the mentality. Like, right. he doesn't look at himself as a guy that should go to the seventh or eighth inning as a starter. And I'm here to say, like, look, I want to push back on this quote. He says, I will have an inning of 25 or 26 pitches because you're walking people. Yeah. Not because that's the reason. And they're saying, like, well, that's who I am. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that's going to go out. Do you know how stressful that is, Blake, as a fan oh to God. watch? Yeah. Do you know? I am pushing back. Do you know how stressful you are to watch? Like, you even what? think about it from a fan's perspective. Maybe we want to watch you throw a complete game shutout once in your life. Maybe we want to see you go the distance and throw a no-hitter. Do you ever challenge yourself to go beyond the bare minimum, dude? Or do you just want to go home and collect sneakers? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. It gets me riled up. And this is just the first quote, by the way. I want to get to the well, next one. It gets one. better, huh? I'm pitching, he said. And if I run out of pitches, I run out of pitches. I'm here to pitch. I'm not here to, oh, let me navigate and get to seven, eight, nine. That's not me. Why are you playing baseball, dude? Bro, what are you? You want to play a single player uh, sports? That's, play tennis. I'm sorry. Like, a lot of pitching is navigating. Yeah. If you haven't learned that by now and you don't want to do it, then just quit and retire, honestly, because you might have the best stuff in the world. Let me tell you what happens when you walk five guys in the playoffs, Blake. You lose. You lose. And you're preparing yourself to do that, to put fans through that. You're going to go on a road into a hostile environment. You're going to walk, guys. You're going to get the crowd to scream and cheer after every. They're going to get you so riled. I've seen you. You have no mental capacity to handle this on the mound, dude. And and you get agitated or you let something bother you. You're done. You're finished. I would never start you on the road in the playoffs ever. And what does that say about someone who is supposedly a front runner for Cy Young this year? I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see it. I don't even see it in these quotes. Here's Blake Schnell. He's going to push back against me. It's never enough. Like, what I'm doing right now doesn't matter. He needs to get the walks down. That's highlighted with everything I'm doing. Doesn't matter. The walks. This is what he's saying, that his critics are saying. That's what I'm saying right now. But, but because it does, the regular season doesn't matter, Blake, winning the World Series matters. What do you think is going to happen in a World Series game if you walk five or six guys? You're not getting out of the third inning, man. You're not getting out of the fourth inning. And then are you doing your job? 
Are you going six and giving up three runs or less? Or are you getting knocked out of a World Series game, giving up eight runs in a hostile environment because you walked six guys? And that's what you're preparing your, mu your muscle memory for right now. This, this topic gets me heated, and, and this is, again, the reason why I wanted to get into this a little bit is because I feel like it goes hand-in-hand hand with George Kirby a little bit. It's like there is no expectation anymore by young pitchers. You know, their their expectation is to do their job. They need to go six innings and give up three runs or less. And I'm here to tell you, look, that's the bare minimum, bro. Or sis, I don't care who's doing it anymore. You know, like I know there's going to be a female pitcher one day, so that's fine with me. But and and she'll probably go the distance and put all these boys to shame because she's eating her steak like she should be. We'll talk about that in a second. But this agitates me so much because look, I think Blake Schnell could be all that without the walks, and I don't think he's being challenged enough. He credits his pitching coach for saying like, "Hey man, just be yourself out there. Go go ahead and walk five guys." Yeah, that's not a coach. that's coaching. That's really not coaching. That's good coach, man. I want to say one thing, too, up to George Kirby and to Blake Schnell. In 1998 and 1999, when I was playing high school baseball, I was pitching six innings, sometimes seven, when I had my best stuff. I was throwing 90 to 110 pitches. In high school, man, you're an adult playing an adult game, getting paid millions, and you're complaining about what I used to do in high school. For free. For free. For fun. Oh, is this just not like... It's bad. It's not enough, Blake. You asked, it's, you said it's never enough. Yes, absolutely it's not. The fact that you don't see the correlation between your walks, your 25 to 26 pitch innings. You had a 48 pitch inning last year, man. I watched you do it and labor through it and struggle. It's horrible to watch him. He labors so much. No wonder he doesn't want to go in the seventh inning because he's exhausted. So he has more quotes here, by the way. Okay. I'm going to get into it. What Snell is doing would seem impossible. Fact is, no one has ever led the major leagues in ERA and walks in the same season. Justin Steele, by the way, passed him in ERA, but n not by much. Like, Blake's ERA is still very good, 2.52. Uh, Justin Steele, though, uh, 2.49 now after his one-run seven-inning outing against the Diamondbacks on Saturday. But... Here's what he says about the walks. He says, who gives a shit? I don't look at them as a bad thing. Really? I used to think of them as bad. I used to think about what would happen and turn that into a negative. What you visualize anything as is what is going to happen. Okay, look, I understand. Like, if you walk a guy out there, it's going to I, I don't expect nobody to walk anybody the whole season, okay? But I want to point something out in a second. We just talked about Justin Steele. Justin Steele has given up 33 walks this year and is ranked 115th in all of baseball. Blake Schnell is ranked first in walks with 92. So Justin Steele has walked a third of the amount of hitters as Blake Schnell virtually has this year. And that's base runners, folks. That's literally like 60 more base runners this year that Blake Schnell has allowed just by virtue of the free pass for free. Didn't make him earn it. And what, is, what does that do to your pitch count? Just makes it go, just swells it up. No, You're going four balls to a hitter, you know, even three times right there. That's 12 pitches alone, not to mention how many strikes were on them. How many pitches did they fall off before you finally delivered ball four? You know, th these are compiling your pitches, man. Blake Snell pitched 161 innings. He walks 5.1 players per nine innings. And steel is 1.9. That's the big difference. Big difference. I hate the the way this has been framed, you know? Mm -hmm. I hate that this has been like, I don't look at them as a bad thing. 
Why not? Why? How could you not? You know, I, I understand, like, you walk a guy, and, and we've seen it happen to him. He used to, like, get rattled, remember? He would let it bother him. Okay, I understand what you're saying about that part, but that doesn't mean that, like, walking five or six guys a game should be acceptable either. This is all mechanics. If you're not locating your pitches, then your mechanics are flawed, man. That's all I got to say about that. Watching that movie, Nolan Ryan, yesterday. Yeah, so I want to get to that and kind of close out this conversation. But but when when he worked with a pitching coach, how he changed his mechanics to work in his advantage, it made a huge difference for his whole career going forward. Yes. Same thing might apply to Blake Snell. He's just not getting the coaching that he needs. I like Blake Snell. I think he has phenomenal stuff. I think he does not give himself enough credit to be better. Yeah. I think he could go the distance. I think he could throw no hitters, perfect games even, if he were somehow able to see himself that way. But he doesn't see himself that way. He sees himself as a five or six walks a game pitcher. And, and, and it's like, you don't want to navigate, but you're giving yourselves a tsunami to navigate through out there. And, and, and again, I come back to put yourself in a fan's shoes watching you. Do you, as a fan, want to watch a pitcher who's laboring, who's walking guys all the time and navigating out of trouble? And, and, or do you want to see a guy who goes out there and, and goes the distance that one night Gives the fans a no-hitter like Musgrove did. Why don't you see yourself as that guy? Like, you talk about positive visualization. Why don't you go into a dark room, turn on some 80s music or something that's inspirational, something with some heart maybe, like uh, Boys of Summer or something. I don't know. And, and, and visualize yourself throwing perfect game no-hitters. Like, why don't you visualize yourself doing that? I, I, I really don't understand this mindset. And, like, again, I think I, I understand where early pitching changes have come from statistically but i think it's led to a weakening of the overall starting pitcher when they see themselves as guys that are supposed to go six innings and throw 90 pitches as an adult in a big league game i have to push back on that and say like yeah that extra inning matters dude imagine if all your starters pitched seven innings instead of six in a four game stretch you just saved your bullpen four innings over four days and and now how many more of their arms are fresher? It all starts from when you're playing high school or whatever. When you start early, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody's great. And I'll tell you right now, like I know from coaching high school that they have pitch counts now, and I did not necessarily when I was there. But they are limited to a hundred. And and I you see, George Kirby's school. like, I only go ninety pitches, and it's like in high school. I know, but I'm just saying George Kirby is complaining about 90 pitches the other day. And in high school, the rules are you can go to 100. Exactly. So, like, what, what is the disconnect here, guys? Like, yeah. what are you, where are your expectations in yourselves? You know, like, that's what I'm upset the most about. You want to be in the pros? You're supposed to be the most competitive guys in the world. And it's like, you only want to go out there and six innings and, like, the job's done because that's what some statistician nerd behind a desk tells you. That's not what Randy Johnson thought before he started games. That's not what Nolan Ryan, that's not what Pedro Martinez thought before he started games. That's not what Roger Clemens, Doc Gooden, like we, we went over Doc Gooden's career and how many starting games he had. And I mean, that, cocaine derailed his career, not not his arm. Oy, oy, oy. But the other thing that stood out the most about the Nolan Ryan, we, 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 you brought up the Nolan Ryan documentary. So we, 
I kind of put a capper on this last night and I was like, I, I was, I've been upset about this all weekend a little bit, the pitching, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I decided last night finally to put on facing Nolan on Netflix. Cause for some reason we just hadn't watched it yet. Yeah. And anyways, I think we might do a, a bigger review of the movie on Wednesday, but the biggest things that stood out were just how Nolan Ryan never wanted to give up the ball to the manager. He, he fought like hell to stay in every single game that he started. And I, I think that's what's missing from modern baseball right now is this fight. You yeah, want to give your team the best chance to win. Sure. But sometimes you, you also want to see a crafty veteran navigate his way out of trouble in the seventh inning and, and show the young pups a trick or two still up his sleeve. Like you're taking away so many great stories from the game, I feel like. I don't know. I, I, I wish players were challenged more. And and again, Nolan Ryan did this in an era where there was a four-man rotation. So you were taking the ball every four days, not every five, not every sixth like they do now. It was every four. And he never had a Tommy John surgery. He never had Tommy John surgery. Still 46. Pitched till he was 46. 27 seasons in the majors, a record. No hitter games. He had seven. Seven no hitters. Um, two of them after the age of 41. Exactly. And then you have guys like George Kirby, who's 25. So he's a young guy. He's a young kid still finding his way through majors. But the mental capacity for these guys, it's like they don't want to compete. Or yeah. They don't want to compete with themselves. They just go out there through the motions. I think it's I think it's mental. Like when George Kirby is telling the media after the game, like, I don't know why I was out there still. And you've gone six innings and thrown 90 pitches. I think the press should be asking him back, like, well, why? Why don't you see yourself as being out there longer when you've only thrown 90 pitches? And The press. <laughs> the press. You're asking the press to ask questions. Well, I get it. When a guy's blabbing, you don't want to stop him, you know, so you let him talk. What I meant is, like, the press doesn't ask challenging questions anymore. Well, again, you see this puff piece about Blake Schnell and how he's, like, embraced walking how this is a good thing for him. And, and it's like, no, you, you you can do this all without the free passes, man. Then yeah. you are the clear-cut Cy Young winner, by the way. Because if you cut your walks down to even like 50, even if you're half, all, all of a sudden you're like the clear-cut whip leader. You're the clear-cut, you're the clear-cut everything winner. My, my alarm was still buzzing on my watch. My alarm is going off, so that means it's time to get off the airwaves. But before we do, I just wanted to kind of put a bow on this conversation and just say that we might be revisiting this because uh, we have a lot to say about it. But I want to get more into that Nolan Ryan documentary a little bit and, and talk about the sort of mental toughness of a forgotten era, maybe, where you had to pry the ball out of the starting pitcher's cold, dead hand, you know? Even when they said, like, you cannot pitch more than 100 pitches, he was like, what? Yeah. So this is kind of funny, but towards the end of his Astros career, uh, there were some managing changes, I believe, and the the new regime wanted him to go on a pitch count, like 100 pitches a game. And he was like, fuck that. He was like, no, I ain't doing that. So he went to the Rangers and the Rangers at that time were like a, kind of a struggling franchise. And there was a very young Bobby Valentine who was managing for the first time. And they, they just like when Nolan Ryan approached them about playing for the Rangers, they were just ecstatic and over the moon to have him and basically were like, yeah, do whatever you want. So he went there and pitched and, and he wound up throwing two more no hitters. He got his 5,000th career strikeout milestone there. 
And uh, as we came to learn through this documentary, he really just loved pitching in Texas. He broke a, a lot of records. Yeah, he the holds Rangers. the most records of any player in Major League history. Yeah. Including some bad ones, like That's most right. grand slams given up, most guys walked. You know, the difference between Blake Schnell and Nolan Ryan, by the way, is they, they both walked a lot of hitters. And Nolan Ryan was wild, you know, and, and I guess if you throw 100-mile heat, you know, he got corrected, I think, in his Angels yes, career. Yes, Angel. And, and that's probably where he was most dominant, mm-hmm. right? He had the the four no-hitters with the Angels yes. from 1972 to 1979, and, and two of them came in the same season. Mm-hmm. And I think three of them came in two seasons. So there was a couple seasons there where he was just really dominant. And, you know, there was even stories I've heard that weren't covered in the documentary that he threw like 235 pitches one game, pitched 12 innings in one game, started and mm-hmm. just didn't come out. You know, yeah. but th- they didn't have pitch counts back then and they didn't keep track of this stuff like they did. It was just like, hey, man, how are you feeling? And as we found out, Nolan Ryan oh, just popped a couple Advil and was like, I feel great. Anyways, you can see that he he loved to pitch and he hated getting taken out. He loved to compete, you know, and, and he felt like the game that he started was his game to lose. In a sense, he took ownership of it. Definitely. And I think that's. Another thing that I feel like is missing, it's like George Kirby did not feel like that was his game to lose. He felt like it was his game to hand off at that point and, and that the rest was out of his control. So and no Nolan one... Ryan would have been like, wrong, you got to stay in control. And and that's what I, I wish more guys would embrace. Like, I get the strikeout. Like, guys that strike out a lot of guys are going to throw more pitches too, mm-hmm. you know? And and I just feel like you can be more Greg Maddox. Like, you can be economical and locate your pitches better and, and get guys to swing and get outs if you locate. If Mechanics, all mechanics, mechanics. All mechanics. So, all right. Well, we got to put a bow on this conversation for today. And, you know, like we're going to be back on Wednesday. We might be talking about this more. I have lots more to say about facing Nolan, but uh, you should all go out there and watch it. It's on Netflix. It's a great look at just a simple man who could throw a baseball. Nolan Ryan. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am going to, but before we get out of here, I just want to remind you that you can contact us at kanikadaily at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter, X, Threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can just search for Kanika Baseball and you will find some of our content out there. So please look us up and enjoy. I got nothing else to say. Go Cubs go! Go Cubs go! Go Cubs go! Go Cubs go! In Colorado. Definitely need to win this game. Definitely need a W out in Colorado tonight. And and if I'm being honest, like we pretty much need to win all the games. Uh, <laughs> it would make life easier. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Uh, go Mariners, go. Release the Kraken. We need to put some wins together. You know, Logan Gilbert on the mound. Like, hey, man. Hey, Logan. It's okay to go seven, eight innings, dude, if you want. Go for it. No one's going to stop you. Just joke. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed our little pitching discussion. You know, I got a little passionate and heated there for a minute, but, you know, I just feel strongly about this stuff. I I understand the metrics behind it, but at the same time, I want to see players challenged. I feel like these guys have the skills to overcome those challenges. There's nothing wrong with challenging a guy to say, like, I want to tell you one thing before I get off the air, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put this conversation to bed until Wednesday. But my pitching coach, Terry Perriman, he played in the Phillies organization in the 70s he used to offer like steak dinners to players if they did not walk a guy in a game in high school that's that's how much this meant and that's why this bothers me so much you know it was like 
not walking a guy was a great thing, you know, for a starter. It's like, hey, let him beat you with the bats, man, but don't give it to him. Yeah. I grew up listening to Steve Stone on WGN in Chicago with Harry Carey saying over and over and over again, you should never walk the leadoff hitter. It's going to come back and bite you in the ass. And it's like, so this is who I am. This is what's ingrained in me from my life experiences. And that's why I'm so adamantly against this. And I think you can challenge people. You can challenge people and, and they will surprise you. They will rise to the challenge, but they have to be challenged in the first place. They can't be given this like expectation that like, hey man, you go six and give up three or less. You did your job for the night. Go out there and throw a complete game shutout once in a while. Go out there and throw a no hitter for your fans and, and give them something to cheer about and remember for the rest of their lives. You think they remember your starts right now, man? They blur together. Yeah. They're just like, oh, Blake Schnell, that guy that walks a bunch of guys and gives up solo Labor. home run and labors and stresses me out. That's what I remember about Blake. He really needs to look in the mirror and, and imagine what it's like to be a fan again of the game and, and watch yourself. Would you want to pay money to watch that? No, he doesn't have time. He's got to go golfing. Oh, and buy shoes. Shoes and golfing. All right, we're out of here. Adios. Enjoy the games, everybody. Bye. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Take care. Bye.